0: the English preacher and writer of the last century, William Barclay said that this word that we translate gentleness is the most untranslatable of words. In other words, it's hard to take the word in the original language and move it to our language and, and make it sensible. Of course they would give me that word. I, th- I think it's important though to understand the word because unless you understand the word, we may head it in an opposite direction of what the word really means. You know, sometimes you can think of a word and you're headed that way and all of a sudden you find out that that's not really what it means at all. It reminds me of the story of the tennis player. Did you hear that the tennis player this week, the uh, women's tennis? Uh, she's f- uh, ranked 53rd in the world and she went to a... Uh, her, I, I've been stressing her name and I can't, I'm just going to call her by her first name, Bohana. Uh, and and she's, uh, she, she arrived in Carlsbad, New Mexico for the week's uh, Mercury Insurance Open. As a pro tennis player, she travels a lot. So she gets there and when she gets there, uh, she looks around and, and generally the, the uh, sponsors of the tournament send a ride, no ride. Well, she gets a little concerned, she waits and waits. So She finally calls and she said, where are you? And they said, well, that's a very good question because we're at the airport and we to wonder where you are. And she said, well, I'm at the airport. And they went back and forth. You're at the airport, but we can't find you. And the back and forth, and back and forth, and finally, she said, "I'm at the airport in Carlsbad, New Mexico." And they said, "We're at the airport in Carlsbad, California. That's where the tournament is held." See, it makes a big difference on what word you're talking about and which direction you're headed. If you're you're headed the wrong way, you're not going to come to the right conclusion. By the way, I think there was all sorts of things that she had to do to make her connection. She still lost the first match. So I, probably there's a reason for that after all that. So we want to head in the, the right direction in, in terms of this word gentleness. Now, Bible translators don't make it any easier for us. I, I, I want to compare the King James and the NIV for you t- today. They don't, he's not made it, old King James hasn't made it easier. In fact, though, however, he may be more correct in his translation of the word. You see down there my word gentleness on the NIV is actually meekness actually meekness in the King James. In fact, actually, that's probably more closely the right word. And then you'll notice my word gentleness gets moved up to where kindness should be over the NIV. No wonder people are a little bit confused. I think the reason that our modern translators have taken that word meekness and changed it to another word like gentleness is that in our culture, when you hear the word meek, you head in a different direction. You head into like Flowers and bubbles and kitties, <laughs> softness, and nobody wants to be meek. But that's really not the Bible word. But that's what we think of. You know, the original Greek word was also used by other writers, and, 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 and Aristotle used this word to indicate this middle point between being completely out of control and having no control. Passive or very much out of control. This middle ground. It was often used as a word picture to, to, to portray a wild beast that had been tamed and put to some good use. Someone after the second service told me it's a horse racing term. A meek horse is a, is a horse that is under uh, a big stallion kind of a horse under control of a jockey. This wild beast has been tamed and is now put to a different purpose. Now, I wanted you to get a really good picture of this. You know, Jesus often used illustrations and things. So, I don't have a wild beast. Although Tim wanted to dress up as an elephant, I said, I don't think that's the picture we want. So, Doug Ballard, my friend, come on out. Doug Ballard's a Christian brother, remember here? Uh, And his friend, Rocky. It was out here. This was out here, the other services, but since we did it down there, he's had to take his show on the road. So, uh, what Doug has here, you need some help, Doug? Okay, Doug's been here since 7.30 with Rocky, and I want to uh, have Doug illustrate for you gentleness. What do you think of that, oh, that's brother? That's amazing, brother. <laughs> Woo! Can you talk? Yeah. Okay, I'll give you a breath. Woo. Okay, now, when do we, when we cook this up? You know, he was going to, like, you were going to deadlift 400 and some pounds, right? We were going to do that. But it would take too much of a warm-up. So we thought the rock would be simpler. Well, that looks simple, doesn't it? Okay. Uh, I asked him uh, at the gym this week. I said, you know, if, if we are just ordinary people who are not having any health problems or whatever, can we, could we accomplish something like, could we get stronger? Could we do something like this? What, what did you tell me? Well, absolutely. Now, I don't know if you can do it 10 times, but... With proper nutrition training, uh, anybody gets strong guidance. You definitely can learn how to do this. I don't know about ten times. but I don't now. think I'll ever do that again. God bless you. All right. Thank you, buddy. Thanks. Love you. Well, there is the definition of gentleness. Gentleness is strength under control. This is your test. Gentleness is I haven't always been very gentle. How about you? I've not always been in control. My wild beast has often been untamed. I could tell you so many stories about that, but I'll go way back so I won't embarrass myself too much. As a college student going to my home church one snowy day I was walking in and some little kid hits me in the face with a snowball I'm generally a meek and mild person but for some reason that just flipped my switch and as it was dripping down my face I noticed a broom over here I grabbed the broom and started chasing the boy around the parking lot into the cemetery, beating him about the face and body with that broom. Not my finest hour. (laughs) However, I think there were a lot of folks watching that thought it was just fine because they had also been hit with a snowball, but it still wasn't my finest hour. Now, you can laugh because you're laughing with me because you've done things like that. Your beast was not under control, and you let it out, and it wasn't a pretty sight. Gentleness is power under control. Strength under control. What does it look like? Well, we have examples in the Bible, many examples. Do you know that Moses was called a gentle person? In Numbers 12, 3, now the man Moses was very meek above all men which were on the face of the earth. Moses, the great leader and liberator of his people, is considered a gentle man. Yet he used that strength to great purpose because he was tamed by the master, God. Jesus, of course, is a good example in the New Testament. He even calls himself meek and lowly in heart. And there are many examples in, in the New Testament of Jesus being controlled, even when he maybe didn't need to. I, I always think of the, the cleansing of the temple, and you think, oh, well, that wasn't, I mean, he was out of control there, you know, turning over tables and whipping things. And th-. No, he wasn't out of control. Had he been out of control, he would have melted the place down with a look. In the garden, he held himself there. He forced himself to stay against really what he wanted great strength on the cross. Remember the old song? He could have called 10,000 angels. He didn't get out of it. Strength under control, just for us. And you have examples, I'm sure, of people in your life who are people who have learned to tame that wild beast. And they've become gentle people. Doug is a great example of a gentle person. The power and spirit of God has transformed Doug. And really, at the first service when he did it, he actually set that rock down. Just, I mean, he was so controlled. I mean, he just just set it down very gently. I think after ten times he's allowed to drop it, don't you? But very controlled. That's a perfect picture of what we're talking about. Well. Let's move on quickly. How do we show gentleness? Uh, the rest of the, the times that the word is used in the New Testament, uh, I think, could give us a picture, of a complete picture of what gentleness is. And so I'm going to quickly kind of go through almost every passage in which that word is used in our New Testament and help us draw some sometimes painful conclusions about what gentleness is. Let's start with... Uh, Matthew 11:29. 29, I've already alluded to that one. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is humble and gentle and yet uh, we also need to submit as Jesus did to his father and let him teach us. Jesus is the example of submission. We should also be submissive to the will of God. A gentle person, a meek person is one who doesn't have to have everything their way all the time and particularly in this matter we submit ourselves to God and His agenda. Look at um, James one twenty one. so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your heart for it has the power to save your soul. There's power, the word of God has power if you humbly accept it. A gentle, meek person is teachable. You can learn something, especially from God's word. I don't guess you'd be surprised to know this, but a study was done two or three years ago of spiritual practices of many, of many churches and, and of all the things that happen, people do things spiritually to try to grow, there was one thing that had the highest correlation with spiritual growth and maturity than any other spiritual activity. You know what it was? Bible reading. Why is it that that's so hard to do yet the answer? God, let Submit yourself to God's Word. Be teachable. Let God's Word be a part of you. You know, uh, I have this little card on my desk that says this. Most people do not see things as they are. Rather, they see things as they are. Have you found that to be true? Most people do not see things as they are. Rather, they see things as they are. When we begin to submit ourselves and be taught by God's Word... We begin to see things as God sees them. And that begins to transform us into the likeness of Jesus. It begins to bring about gentleness, perhaps, even in our own hearts and minds. Now, the rest of the verses in the New Testament that relate to this word, gentleness, follow the same theme. Let me read some of them for you. Galatians 6.1 Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. There is this relationship here where I have a choice to argue with someone, to belittle someone, or I can gently try to bring them back to the truth. You see, this whole book was written in the context of a conflict. And that's why the fruit of the Spirit are there. The fruit of the Spirit are there to remind those in the conflict of how they should behave. Restore people gently, not roughly. Be in control. Ephesians 4.2 two. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Now there's a good one. Gentleness makes allowances for each other's faults. That would be enough right there to work on the rest of your life. Gentleness has high expectations for yourself and not as high expectations for other people. Generally we're the other way around. We expect a lot of others and not so much of ourselves. Make allowances for others. Look at this one, 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. There's your job, kind, teaching, patient, gently instruct those who oppose truth even, gently instruct. Here's God's job. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts. Your job is to be kind and gentle and and care for people. His job is to change them. You prepare the soil, God does the increase. It takes the pressure off, doesn't it? Or does it? How many times has our own behavior, our own manner, turned people off before they even get to see Jesus? Gently, gently. Titus 3. Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers... They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. There's another aspect that we haven't touched yet. A gentle person is not only humble, but they do good things. They don't have to have everything their way. In fact, they go out of their way to take care of other people. They're servants. James 3.13, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. Doing good works with the humility that comes from Jesus. There it is again, doing good. Gentle people do good. And here's a long passage, a little bit longer. 1 Peter 3, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. Here's the kicker. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Always be ready to explain what you believe, but how do you do it? In a gentle and respectful way. Now listen to me. Standing on a street corner, holding a bullhorn, and shouting insults at people. It's not a way to change hearts. That's, there's nothing gentle about that. Picketing funerals in the name of God, hurling insults at bereaved people, is not gentle. There is no way anyone can see Jesus through those actions. Shame on us if we think that's the way of Jesus. It's not. The way of Jesus is not that way. Well, how do we go about this? I mean, I wish I could give you like a three, three steps to becoming more gentle. I think I can do that. However, I, there's, a, there's a, a, a process of personal transformation I can remind you of that might help you. First of all, it's from my, uh, from my teacher from afar, Dallas Willard, who says, uh, these three things are involved in personal transformation. One is vision. You have to see this, whatever it is you want to do, as making your life better. That being worth doing. So first of all, if you want to be more gentle, you have to say, it's worth, it's worth it to me to be more gentle. My life will be better if I become more gentle. Now I think you should believe that because God says so. Jesus talks about gentleness. He is gentle. Paul reminds us to be gentle. That's enough, but you should see that your life could be better if you became a gentler person. That's the first thing. Has have to be willing to go for it. The second thing is I intention. I not only have to know it's good for me, but I have to intend to do something about it. And it's not this, I'll try sort of intention. It's this, I will sort of intention. And then the final one is M, method. There needs to be a means or a method of you going about making that happen, whether it's learning Spanish or learning to be gentle. How am I going to go about doing it? How did Doug learn to do that? There have to be ways. You know, let's say I want to be physically fit. I buy a pair of running shoes. Will that do it? Lots of you do that. I'll get a book about running. I'll buy a stopwatch. I'll get some cool Under Armour stuff to wear so I'll look good when I'm sweating. It still won't do anything if it's just there. How many yard sales do you go to with all this exercise equipment for sale? They had the vision and they had the method, but they didn't have the intention. And so they sell it for pennies on the dollar, and then you buy another nice little clothes hanger thing for your bedroom. There's this little thing in the middle that's called intention that makes all the difference in the world. Paul says to Timothy, train yourself to be godly. There is training involved in this. It doesn't just happen. We might say today, train yourself to be gentle. It is not impossible, but it is not easy. And so I was thinking, what's some really easy, just a lot of, kind of little toe-in-the-water kind of things you could do this week to sort of work into gentleness, and you probably can think of a lot more creative things than me, but under this area, this facet of submission, why don't you remind yourself regularly this week that you are in the presence of God? Because I think that will make a difference. You know, a lot of folks come to church, we're in the presence of God, they leave the building, they're no longer in the presence of God and they do what they please. That's not true. You are always in the presence of God. If I know that my trainer is beside me, I might not eat quite the same way. I might lift a little extra weight I might run a little farther. I might get better rest. If I knew my trainer were walking beside me, it would make a difference. If you acknowledge the presence of of God in your daily life, often and regularly, especially when the wild beast is getting ready to jump, I believe you can begin to train yourself to be more gentle. But you have to stop and remember that you are in the presence of God. Well, What about this teachable thing? You know, part of being gentle is being submissive and teachable to other folks. This would be something easy for you to do. Ask somebody this week to teach you something. If you're older, ask somebody younger to teach you something about their world that that you probably don't know about, like the difference between a tweet and a chirp or whatever it is. You know, (laughs) ask them and then learn something from them. Don't be so smart that you can't learn and establish that relationship of of learning and, and humility. Speaking of humility, why don't you have a conversation this week with somebody where you aren't the subject of the conversation? Why don't you actually listen to somebody this week? Don't you just hate to talk to people and talk about themselves all the time? Or when you're talking to them, the minute you take a breath, they inject all this stuff about themselves, very self-important kinds of things, and you never get to, to say anything. I don't like those kinds of conversations. Why don't you be the kind of person that says, you know, I want to hear about your life. Just listen. Give them the gift of listening. And then if it's appropriate, say, can I pray for you? Or how can I pray for you and see what happens? I think that'd be good. And you know, we can't ignore that one thing that keeps coming up in most of the passages. Do good. A gentle person does good. Find something that you can do for someone this week that is good. Something little, something big. And it's even better if you don't get caught doing it, but if you get caught doing it, consider it part of your training plan. I am doing good, and I will do my best to find ways to do good to other people. You know, a preacher was getting ready to speak at a funeral for a person that he did not know. And I can tell you from experience, this is the hardest thing to do. He got the information from the family, He's getting ready to do what he does at the funeral service. And, you know, it's customary that the funeral director escorts the, the preacher to the front and then you begin the service. Well, right before you know, he had all in his head what he was going to say, he was kind of tense because he didn't know the person. And, and right before he went in, the funeral director looked at the preacher and said, I knew that person. They were a jerk. Certainly changes what you, your whole head game there, doesn't it? I have all these things to say. It doesn't seem to matter. You know, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to come to the end of my life and have somebody say that to my preacher. That guy was a jerk. He was just fooling himself. He thought he was kind. He thought he was good. He thought he was gentle, but he was a jerk. Just ask anybody. They know. I don't want to be that person. How about you? But it doesn't happen by just floating through life hoping you're not that person. Having an intention not to be that person. You have to have the, the, in, the intention to decide to do it and then the method to do it. You can't just think it would be nice to be gentle. You have to do something about it. And you have the potential this morning. You have the same power that was available to Jesus this morning to begin to change with the power of the Holy Spirit. With your friends here, you can begin to transform and change your very life. Now, I'm just about done. So hang with me for a couple more minutes. Some of you are thinking today, well, I think I got this one covered. I am not an out-of-control person. I'm just not. You know, I don't throw chairs across the floor. I don't have tantrums. I'm in control. There is one part of almost every one of our lives where we often forget how much power we have. And that is the power we have when we use words. Every one of you has the power to use words to help and hurt people. And many times when our wild beast gets out, those words hurt. You know what I'm talking about. You wish you could take them back, but you can't. They're gone. Some of you in this room are 50, 60, and 70-year-old men and women still hurting from the words your parents said over you one day. And you wish, you are trying so hard to make them proud of you, and they said something offhanded or maybe not so offhanded to you 40 years ago that you still can't get over. You tell me words don't hurt. You tell me words don't have power over people. You have the power to change that. If if that happened to you, you don't have to be that way. But you have to train yourself for the purpose of gentleness. You have to use those words in such a way that build up and not tear down. We all have that power. We all have that ability. And even if you don't hear anything else that I've said, think about this week before you use your words in a powerful way to destroy. Stop put yourself under control of the master and use them to heal and not hurt. Well, I think I'm about done. We have a decision time now. We always have a decision time and we have it because I think it's important for you to understand that everything that happens from now till the end of the game is important. That's why I think I like sports. You know, you watch a contest and there's an outcome and between the starting whistle and the outcome, all these things happen. And, you know, a lot of times towards the end of the game, something will happen. Some bad call will get made. And everybody goes, oh, if, if that call hadn't been made, we would have won the game. Haven't you heard that before? And if you, if you listen to good coaches in interviews after games, what do they say? They say, it wasn't, I mean, that wasn't good, but that didn't lose the game for us. What lost the game for us was that decision in the first minute, in the third minute, or after that decision you see what I'm saying there are many 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 decisions in this game and the only way we can live is to make a choice at a time train ourselves to make the right choice at each time now you're not ever gonna get it always you know everything right you're gonna pick up a broom sometime and whack somebody with it I know because that's just the way we are but you cannot let that stop you and say well I'm just a person who whacks people with brooms You can't do that. You have to say, okay, with God's help and and His Spirit, I will not do that. I will stop. I will think. I will control the beast. And every day you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of decisions to make to choose to be godly, to choose to be kind. And that's your decision. Perhaps, though, you need to choose to submit yourself to Jesus, the very first thing that you can do to begin the step of gentleness. Whatever it is that is your decision, I invite you to make that as we stand together and as you sing with us.